Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Sounds like you're tired like I am. We're so glad you're here. Happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you. And, you know, before we go any further in this service, I would just like to uh, pause just a minute to think about um, the veterans that are, not, that are here in this room, that have served in this place. Um, but Memorial Day is more than about veterans. It's about people who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. And I know that Memorial Day for a lot of folks is about barbecues and the beach and the lake and the river. And, and I'm so grateful that we have that opportunity. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't um, stay here for just a second and just think about and remember those people um, who have been lost in battle. I, I'm curious just to know if any of you uh, know somebody, have a friend, somebody in your family, whether it's a long time ago, whether it's been recently, that have lost uh, soldiers, people in, in battle. Could you just slip up your hand if that's you, if you know people? Yeah, several hands here all across the room. And uh, uh, we just want to remember those people. And, and matter of fact, do you mind if I just pray with you real quick about that? Lord, um, God, we just thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy um, in this country. And Lord, while our country is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, we um, are just grateful that we live here. And all it takes is, is a visit to some other country to know um, how good we have it. And the truth is, though, we didn't get this for free. This didn't come by accident. But Lord, um, so many people have paid, so many, many people have paid um, the ultimate price so that we might experience freedom. And on this Memorial Day weekend, we, we want to remember those people, God. Some of them we know and some of them we're related to and uh, others of us, we just have heard uh, the stories and we've seen the movies and we've seen the documentaries. And, and Lord, we just remember them today, God, the fallen. Uh, they are not forgotten, Lord, and we remember them today. And we're just grateful um, for the, the, the ultimate sacrifice, Lord, that you paid for our freedom, and we remember you this weekend as well. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. Amen. Hey, listen, um, those of you who are here at this service on Memorial Day weekend, you guys are at a whole nother level. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because I know how many people that I know aren't here today, uh, and they're not coming today. They're not coming in the second or the third, or if we had a fourth one, they're not coming to that one either. Um, but you guys are here, and I just want to say how grateful I am. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm praying that today will be a, a, a fantastic day in your story, um, in your journey. A couple, couple things before we jump into the message. Um, we had something that we've never done before happen on Wednesday. We called it Big Wednesday. Uh, curious, were any of you at Big Wednesday? Anybody there? Yeah. Listen, if you missed Big Wednesday, I don't know what to tell you. Um, like, it was next level, man. It was awesome. Uh, the presence of God was here. The band was on fire. Like, uh, like half our band is, like, at the beach or somewhere today. Uh, but thank you to the ones that are here that held it down. It is so good. But on Wednesday, man, it was great. Um, the kids had a blast. And we just had a huge crowd, frankly. We had a huge crowd for a Wednesday. And, and I'm just telling you, I don't know when the next one is. We don't even thought about it yet. But whenever it is, you don't want to miss the next big Wednesday because it was, it was big. Um, second thing I need I needed to know about is that this thing over here, we have a brand new tank, but somebody popped a hole in it. Um, 
So um, I don't know how that happened, but we got an old tank back, and uh, it's awesome too, and it's going to work just fine. And we got some folks going to get baptized today. But listen, if you have been thinking about that, if you've been praying about that, pray no more. Today's your day, all right? Uh, you don't have to pray about baptism. It's just a commandment of Jesus, and we just do it. Uh, that's what we do. So we got you covered. We got you ready. The water is literally so hot that we had to take the heater out of it because uh, it was steaming. And so it's going to be nice and toasty in there. It'll be good. Uh, and then the last thing I got to tell you, even though you just saw it, is that Man Month starts next week. And if you're new here and you don't know what Man Month is, Man Month is a, is a, is a season where we celebrate biblical manhood. Like, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but if you, if you pay attention to our culture right now, I think there's an attack uh, on manhood. Uh, and and I may, this may be political and I may shouldn't say this, but I just believe there's an attack on manhood. And, 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 and I know there's some dumb men in the world and I know there's some bad men in the world, but I'm just telling you, we ought not ever back down from being the men God called us to be, uh, manly and cool. And no, I'm like, <laughs> Studly, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but we just ought to, we ought to step into that. And we want to celebrate the, the biblical version of manhood that God has called us to be. And we don't make any apologies about that. We're going to celebrate that. And uh, so uh, the men in your life, ladies, if they're not here, make sure that they're here the next couple of weeks. It's fun. We have fun. We play songs we probably shouldn't play in church. We do them anyways. Um, and we, we're going to have a lot of fun. And we're going to be doing this series based on a book by Levi Lusco. Uh, we'll have some of those available um, next weekend uh, that you can buy right here at our little merch store. And by the way, when we say our merch store, that store, if you're new here, we sell shirts and hats and stuff. Um, that is not for our benefit. All of the proceeds for that go to our missions partners um, around the, the, the world and in our city. And right now, all of the proceeds for the last quarter are going to the San Antonio Food Bank, uh, which we are doing an amazing job. You guys are doing an amazing job. And, and it'll be a couple thousand, $2,500, $3,000 that just from the merchandise uh, profits. So uh, thank you so much when you support that. It's not about us. It's about what we're going to be able to do with that. So we want to say thank you. And today's the last day, by the way, if you're going to support our Feed SA initiative. Uh, we have uh, been doing a food drive for the food bank, and you can give to that uh, as well. And so anyways, I wasn't supposed to talk about all that. I'm going to move right along and preach the message. Um, you know, I used to um, fish a lot with an older man who was simply the most patient and the most gracious man I have ever known. Now, I know this about him because I tested his patience over and over and over and over again while fishing. I, this was one of the funniest men on the planet, and uh, I remember one time I, I, I put my, my, my pole back and I, and I flipped it out there and something was on the end of the line and that something was his hat which I had just snatched off of his head and thrown it into the lake and it sank and no kidding about three weeks later I caught his hat at the bottom of the lake and I reeled that bad boy in. So that's the kind of stuff that I did to this poor man over and over again. And, and he was living on this little private lake in a town called Christine. Most of you don't know about Christine because it's got 200 people in it. But anyways, it's about an hour south of here. And he was recuperating some from health. And he was a missionary uh, to Zambia and Africa. And so he was over here and he was resting. So I'd go down there because my parents were really good friends with him. I'd go down there and stay three or four days in the summer uh, with him. And we would just fish from morning till evening. And the issue was that I have no patience 
like no patience. I've grown a little bit with patience. I've been praying about it, but frankly, I just don't have much. And my family will tell you this. And so I would throw out a line and I would want to get it in this perfect little spot over in this little corner where there was trees hanging around and inevitably I would miss and I would get it stuck in a tree and, you know, trying to get it out and it wouldn't come out. And of course, my instinct is just to rip it and break it uh, because I didn't pay for the lure, you know. He'd be like, no, 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 let me, let me have that. Give that to me. And then he would give me, he'd start to work on trying to extricate uh, my, my lure from the tree. And he would say funny things like, oh, you caught a bush bass. You know, he's trying to be uh, kind, knowing he wanted to cut me, you know. And, um, and, and it would take him like 10 minutes. In the meantime, he'd go, here, take this pole and just fish with this while I do that. But he had the kind of pole that I wasn't good. I, I need the Zebco, or you push the button and you can throw it as hard as you want. Anybody know what I'm saying? Three, nobody. Okay. Y'all got to get outside, man. I'm telling you, it's awesome. No, kidding. And, and so anyways, he gave me the kind of reel that if you didn't just throw it perfectly with the right amount of tension, like, like it would just get all fuzzed up in there and look like somebody had built a perfect little bird's nest inside the reel. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? Yeah, that kind of reel. And, and, and it would get super jacked up. And, and, and I would just look at all those tangles and all those knots and be like, I'm out. You know, I'm out. Because uh, I'm pretty helpless when it comes to anything that requires patience, like, like seriously, and that does. And, and, and I'd rather just throw the reel away and go out and buy another one than to try to untangle that mess. Anybody with me on this? Nobody. Okay. Um, and so he'd be like, oh, come on. He'd get my other line free. He'd hand me that one back, and he'd take me the other pole and go to work on all the tangles that I'd created while, while I fished with the original pole, which I had stuck in the tree. Uh, if it hadn't been for him, I would have never fished ever a day in my life because, frankly, all my rods would have been broken and thrown away. I, I think, though, that sometimes uh, our lives are, are kind of like that. We, we can get them in such a mess, such a tangled web of trouble and, and conflict and, and sometimes even despair, uh, just, just a mess, and, and, and we simply feel helpless to get ourselves out of the messes that we've created. And what we need is somebody who will lovingly and skillfully and patiently help us to get free from all the things that have us tied up. And that's what we've been talking about for the past six weeks, that we have a God who is able to set us free, a God who from the time of Adam and Eve in the very first book of the Bible has a freedom plan for us, um, a God who wants to set us free from the chains and the tangles and, and the webs that we've gotten ourselves trapped in and who wants to give us back everything that the enemy has taken from our lives. That he is the kind of God who is full of grace and patience. And listen to me, I, don't, I can't speak for you, but in my life, his grace, his patience, his mercy has been absolutely amazing in my life. So today as we wrap up this series, Chain Breaker. We've talked about the chain of our past on Easter. We talked about the chain of, de uh, of doubt. We talked about the chain of, uh, of, of debt. We talked about the chain of shame. And then last week, we talked about the chain of bitterness. And so today, as we close out this series and we talk about the chain uh, of fear in our lives, I'm guessing that as we do this, um, that this will hit almost every person in the gathering today. Because fear is... Um, through a bunch of research I've read, is a big deal 
in people's lives today, that we are medicated more than ever before because of the effects of fear and anxiousness than we have ever been before. It's been said that this is the most fearful uh, society in human history because of all of the craziness that is happening in our world all the time. And it's not just over there in some other country, but it's in our country. Like this last week, the weather where flooding and tornadoes and craziness and people that I know are laying awake on their back porch filming their, the sky because they know something bad's about to go down and they're afraid to go to sleep. And, and, and God forbid you watch one nightly news episode. Those 30 minutes could keep you up at night for another whole week. Can I get an amen, somebody, right? You know, fear was a big deal for me um, as a kid, um, mostly because of the kind of church I grew up in where, <laughs> frankly, they used fear a lot to kind of motivate us to not want to sin. You know what I'm saying by that? Right. Like, so uh, I was afraid of my brother because uh, he was huge and angry back in those days. He's just cool now. Um, uh, I was afraid of the dark, and I was afraid of the dark because our pastor talked a lot about demons. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I'm not going to sleep ever, you know, because of all that. Uh, I, I was afraid. We lived, like, this is back in the 70s where there were, they had these movies, and even in the early 80s, that they would show at churches of, like, the end of the world. Like, don't show it to a seven-year-old. That's all I'm saying, because then I couldn't sleep. I, I was afraid. Uh, I, I, those of you who were born in the 70s or earlier, you know how big a deal nuclear war was, the fear of it, right? Like we would practice getting under the table at our schools in case of nuclear war, right? That's how anybody, nobody, nobody did this, right? Right, like, like those little desks are gonna help us. <laughs> Hey, this little desk will protect us from a nuclear bomb. Have you seen one? You know, right? And, 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 and to make it worse, my mother, um, my mother is an amazing, she was an amazing mom, she is an amazing mom, um, but she would talk about nuclear war with my dad like it was like, eh, whenever it happens, it's all good. And she would be like, you know, Daniel, um, this is San Antonio, and we have eight bases in this town, and we did back in the day. And so, like, this is going to be one of the very first targeted places from, from the Soviet Union. So, and she would say, Don, I hope that if we have nuclear war here, it just falls right on our house so we can just get it over with. And I'd be like, no, oh, no. McAllen or Brownsville, you know, not, not San Antonio. Sorry, sorry, people from the valley. Right? Man, I had a lot of fear. You can see why. I got so many more stories that I could go into. You know, in the Bible, there are, uh, there are around a hundred times um, where God says, fear not, or do not worry, or do not be afraid. Um, and all of these different verses in Scripture encouraging us to a life free from fear. So, so I think when you see all of these texts pop up over and again, it's just God saying, hey, listen, I'm understanding the world that you live in. I'm understanding the challenges, the stuff that's going to come on, on you, and, and, and don't be afraid of it all. But that's easier said than done. Can I get a witness, right? But again and again in the Bible, God tells the people, do, do not be afraid. Through, through a vision, God says to a man named Abram, who we later would call Abraham, he says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. I want you to think about the idea of a shield that protects. I want you to think about Captain America. Come on, somebody. And that shield that's indestructible. I don't care what you hit with it, right? 
When, 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 when Abraham's servant, Hagar, this woman that he ends up having a child with, when, when, he, when she and her child Ishmael are, are banished from Abraham's land, an angel says to Hagar, hey, Hagar, do not be afraid. God has heard, and he's heard, and what he's meaning is he's heard the cries of your son. Don't be afraid. When, when Isaac was expelled from his land by the Philistine, Philistines and, and forced to move from place to place, God, God appeared to him and said to him, do not be afraid, for I am with you. When Jacob was fearful of traveling in his old age, God says to him, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation. When, when Joshua was about to cross into the land of Canaan because Moses wasn't allowed to go and, and he was afraid, God says to him, do not be afraid. The Lord God himself will go before you, will fight for you. From David to Elijah, from Isaiah to Jeremiah, and throughout the Old Testament, God continually reminded his people not to fear. And in almost every case, it was, do not be afraid, for I am, or I will, or God will. Always that. In every instance, though, people faced legitimate fears. But each time, God's message remained consistent. It remained the same. And it seems that God understood the human nature to trend towards fear when stuff comes up. And, and, and I think when you read all of these texts, it's just God encouraging us today that you can actually live free from fear. And for some of you, it's a generational kind of chain of worry that, that's been passed down to you from mom to grandma, from grandma to mom and down through. And, and it's what, and maybe that's what you're dealing with today. Or, or maybe it's just the circumstantial fears and worries that pop up because we live in a world uh, where John, or Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. But he says, but take heart, exclamation point, right? I've overcome the world. That's what he says. Don't be afraid. Take heart. And, and so today we want to ask God to chip away at and, and break off of our lives the chain of fear, the chain of insecurity, the chain of worry that's got hold of, uh, I, I would guess, a lot of us in the room today. I, I talk to people all of the time. And whether they say it explicitly or whether it's sort of implicit in their speech, they're afraid of or they're anxious, which I think is just generalized fear. Maybe it's the fear of what people are thinking about them, or it's the fear of not having enough resources or money, or, or, or some people are afraid of public speaking or flying. That'd be me. Uh, being far from home or spiders, that would be me. Um, I saw a spider this week that was this big, and I thought it would be cool to put my hand near it until it went... <laughs> like that. It was like a tarantula. Remember, Rachel just like jumped back like this, and I was like, I'm out, I'm out. All right, stay over there. And uh, it, like, because we did that a couple of, uh, last summer, and the thing jumped at me. Like, it came off the ground, and I was like, I'm totally never going to do that again. And then I did it again, and it did it again, so I'm, I'm just not very bright, apparently. <laughs> fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of losing a loved one, disease, or pain, or death. And by the way, the last time I checked, death is batting a thousand percent. You know what I'm saying? It's going to happen for all of us. You're welcome on a Memorial Day weekend, right? All of these fears, now this is where I'm going with all of this. All of these fears represent an underlying tension that challenges us every day 
that they, they mask an underlying question that is always underneath the surface playing, at least in my life, in the background. When I begin to think about this this week, when I begin to think about where do these fears come from? Like, what's the genesis? What's the source of them? When I think about what generates most of the anxiousness or the worry or the fear in my own life, it's this question, am I enough? And, and to give more context, for me personally, it's, it's do I have what it takes? When the stuff comes at me in my life, the big stuff, do I have what it, do I have what it takes? Like, ladies, I don't know if you guys have this going off in your heads or not, but in my life, and I would guess probably most men have these questions rolling around, maybe not chronically, but they're there kind of in the background, and I can almost guarantee you that most men do. I, I, I certainly do, and I measure, when, when I measure myself up against what's coming or what I'm worried is coming, and I, and I realize in almost every situation, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'll be enough. I'm not sure that I have what it takes. And that's happened to me all throughout my life at every new stage, at every new challenge. Those questions can become overwhelming because of the numerous fears that they spawn. Our fears can become so diverse and so extreme that we're more likely to start to try to avoid them and la, 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 I'm not hearing that I'm not li- and, and not acknowledge them than rather than acknowledge that they're there. But they are there no matter if we try to ignore them and they are dictating to us and they are holding us back from dreams and plans and God's vision for our life and they are keeping a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us locked into ruts and patterns that are not what we want and certainly not what God wants for our lives. And these fears can sort of uh, work their way into so many areas of our lives that create dysfunction. I'll give you a few examples. We fear that who we are is not enough, and so we deal with jealousy. We fear not having enough, so we live out of a scarcity mindset that crushes generosity, and we don't trust God with our finances. We, we fear not being good enough, so we live with insecurity. We fear not measuring up to others or our own expectations, so we wrestle with comparison. We, we fear chaos, so we grapple for control. All of these are dysfunctions that are, that are generated by the fear that comes from, am I enough? Do I have what it takes? And this fear that we can't handle it, that we're maybe not going to be good enough, rings throughout our lives and it creates entanglements that hold us back. There's an author named Brene Brown. If you don't know her, you should really get to know her books. They're absolutely, absolutely amazing. Her insights are just world class. And she has this book called Daring Greatly. And she says in it that most of us are driven by a scarcity mindset when it comes to ourselves. And she says that there's this one underlying thing that we consistently think about ourselves day after day when it comes to character flaws, when it comes to challenges of life. 
She says, the thing that we think goes like this. I am never blank enough. She says, that's the thing that's playing in almost every person's head when it comes to themselves. We leave it blank because it's different from person to person. And it changes day after day, and it changes hour by hour. Like one week it's this, and another week it's that, and another month it's that. Have you ever felt this way, right? What is the blank for you? What's in the blank for you? For me, it's I am never disciplined enough. I am never skilled enough. I'm never experienced enough, or I don't know enough. What about you? Like, I need to know that some of you are jacked up like me. Come on, somebody, right? Right? Um, I, I am never. We, we can fill in the blank with all sorts of things, and, and most of us would never say out loud the real things. We don't want anybody to know about that stuff. And many of us have that soundtrack playing over in our minds, and it becomes the essence of our fears. I am never enough. And all of that makes us afraid of failure and afraid of the future and afraid that we'll not have enough saved for college or for weddings or for retirement. I got two girls and I still have no idea how it came to be that the dad of the girls has to pay for the wedding. <laughs> like, why is that a thing? Who made that up? Come on, somebody. Can we change it? Please, I have two of them. All right, anyways. I, I am not going to be able to afford that someday. All right, anyways. And, and the question, sorry, that's just my baggage. Just, I just dumped it out there for y'all. That question, am I enough, can create so much havoc in our lives. And then what we discover is that our greatest fear is, do I have enough or am I going to be good enough, is actually true. I am not enough. But there is an even greater truth we'll find that replaces that. So, so let me make a couple of observations. And, and I, I hate to tell you this. Um, I don't have like, here's five things that you do for fear, like to cope with fear. I, 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 I have that. I could give that to you. But I want to give you a bigger thing than that, if that's okay. I just want to give you a bigger thing than that. But, but let, me get, let me get there. First, there's this truth. Some fear is inevitable. There, there are going to be times in your life and mine, I'm not saying that you'll never be afraid, that, that never fear will rise up in your heart. As a matter of fact, the psalmist David, in one of my most favorite psalms, Psalm 27, he says in verse 2, David does not say, he does not say, if evil men or if foes attack, or in verse 5, if trouble comes. He always says when it happens, because there will be times in your life and in mine where you will encounter legitimate fear. Maybe it's a diagnosis from your doctor. Maybe it's a financial surprise. Maybe it's a scare with your kids. And if you have teenagers, man, there's a lot of scares. If they're trying to learn how to drive, dear God, help us all. Wear helmets and like put on, put on bubble wrap around your whole body. You know what I'm saying? But, but stuff comes up suddenly and, and, and it causes our hearts to fear. I'll give you a perfect, for instance, in my own life, I remember when my wife and I first began to think about starting this church, and then, of course, pastoring this church, and it, it, was, it was 12 years ago this summer that we decided to do this. It was utterly terrifying to me uh, back then, and, and who's kidding? It still is. Come on, y'all. It still is. 
And as we began to prepare to do this, and we were living in Houston, all of the what-ifs began to crop up in my mind, all of the ways that that I could and it could fail spectacularly crept into my mind. And I began to, especially right before we moved here, I, I began to second guess God's call on my life, like every step of the way. And, and I'm not, I'm not, it's not an exaggeration to tell you that it took every, every single ounce of faith that I had to pack up all of our stuff, quit my really good job, and, and to move here with my very young family of three years old and eight months old, Rach, eight months old, uh, with no promise of anything. We did not have a house to live in. We didn't have a place to live in. We had to live with my parents, and I'm a grown man with kids, and I left a beautiful house to come live with my parents to do this, FYI. I had no money. We had no team. We were just living on a prayer. Oh, living on a prayer. Anybody with me? Bon Jovi, right? And and I was afraid, frankly, I was afraid, we're going to fail. I never told my wife that. I was like, we got it. No, we don't. I was afraid to fail. And, and the, fear, the fear of failure has been an issue for me personally, and I hate to admit that. Um, I'd love to tell you, no, no, I've been confident every step of the way. No, I haven't, right? I'm not right now, you know? There, there have been so many things that I didn't do, I didn't try growing up simply because I was afraid to fail, mostly because, truthfully, I would say, because I wasn't going to be as good as somebody else that I was close to or some friend of mine. And it, it, it kept me from chasing so many of the dreams that I had, things that I look back on now and go, what were you doing, man? Why didn't you try? Why didn't you try? So the bottom line is some fear is inevitable. Second, second observation is some fears are simply the result of the wrong use of our imagination. Right? Do you remember that acronym? Maybe you've seen it before. Fear, false expectations appearing real. You ever seen that? If you don't, write it down. It's a good one. You can make, make a bumper sticker out of it or whatever, right? Put it on your chalkboard. But, but, but what that means is that some of us have something I'd like to call scenario sickness. Right? Scenario sickness. It's the, it's the wrong use of our imagination. It happens when we create scenarios in our minds that anticipate the worst instead of the best that could happen. We anticipate the worst possible outcomes instead of the, the God kind of outcomes. What might happen? What could happen? What if? Oh, what if tomorrow? What if we don't have? What if? And it's all, what if, it's all dependent on us. And it's, it's by the way, Scenario sickness is highly contagious. If you're hanging around people who have that, it's going to get on you. Like, rebuke them, you know what I'm saying? Walk, walk away, right? Because it will mess you up. It will keep you from being all that God wants you to be and, and do all that God wants you to do. But I'll, I'll tell you, in my own life, what's motivated my fears, my insecurities, probably more than anything. It's when I start comparing myself, 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 me, myself, and Irene. Um, when I start to com- compare myself with other people, right? Where I'm not as good as I'm not as good as that guy, and and these these guys are, you know, they're financially or their their house or their whatever is, is fast. They're leaving me behind, and and with social media as powerful a thing as it is now, we're faced with a barrage of having to stare at people's highlight reels from their lives. 
right? Where we start to imagine what their lives are like based on what we see on their pictures and we compare our life to our imagination of what their life looks like. And it creates and it feeds that, I don't know if I'm enough. I don't know if I have what it takes. It feeds that. And nothing can, can, can kill contentment and feed fear and feed insecurity like comparison. And now, more than any other time in our history, uh, we live in a culture of incessant comparison. And we're comparing ourselves to somebody else's calling. And we're comparing ourselves to somebody else's reality. And we're comparing ourselves, really not even to their reality, to their highlight reels. And comparison, for me, is a trap. And I think it is for you as well. And, and, it, and, it, and it robs you of, of so much peace. And it robs you of contentment. And it feeds that question. It feeds that question, am I enough? All of this because we're imagining how good somebody else has it without knowing what's really going on in their home and their life and their story. It, it causes that fear of, am I enough to grow? And it's a trap and it's a killer and it's a thief. And I would just say to you and to me, don't do it. And then lastly, and this is where I want to get in the time that remains, mo most of our fears come from an incorrect view of God and an incorrect view of ourselves. I think A.W. Tozer said it best, and here, here it is. He said, a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils. But a person with a high view of God, he says, is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. Th look at that now. A small view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils, but a, but a person who sees their God as big as he is is the solution to 10,000 temporal problems. That's good, man. As a believer, the view of God that I have in my life has so much to say about how much um, I'll actually trust him with the things that I'm afraid of. Fear is misplaced faith. Think about that. Faith in the wrong things. Faith in the wrong outcomes. And some of us would say, yeah, you know, Danny, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, but ultimately I'm going to rely on myself. That's what I mean. It's faith in the wrong things. When I, because when I put my faith in me or when I put my faith in, in people or money or success or what I can do, then I have every good reason to be afraid. But, but when my faith is high in the only one who is worthy of that trust, fear this is what happens for me every time. Fear dissipates. They, they melt away in the knowledge of the greatness of my God and the love that he has for me. Let me ask you a question for those of you who have children. Isn't it true that you do anything to protect your kids? Wouldn't you do anything? Wouldn't you put your life on the line? Wouldn't you stand in front of a bullet? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you stand in front of a car if that's what it meant to save your kids? Of course you would. Every one of us would. You do almost anything that, to go beyond that to relieve them of the fears they have. If, if they wake up in the middle of the night afraid and, and they come to you like mine does and she just appears in my face and I'm like, ah! There's no like, hey, daddy. It's just like she just taps me and I look and there's a face there. Ah! And then I'm afraid, you know what I'm saying? Like pulling out the gun, you know? <clears throat> right? Like, like, it's like, hey, come on, baby, get into bed with daddy. You know, daddy's here. You know, daddy, or, or more likely, mama's here. You know what I'm saying? Mama's going to go to your room and get in bed with you. You know what I'm saying? Because daddy's got to sleep or he gets angry in the mornings, you know. He gets bitter. 
He has very low patience anyway. Now it gets even less, you know. Mommy's going to take care of this, but whatever it is, yeah. You, you do anything to make sure that they're not living and laying awake, afraid of the dark or afraid of whatever. And, well, let me say to this, that's exactly how God feels about you. The question is, though, do you know how much he loves you? Do you know how much he, he's for you? Do you know the lengths that he's gone to prove that he's got your back? And if you look at your fears, then, through the lens of God's love for you, if you look at your fears through the lens of how much he's already done in your life, I believe it'll make your fears shrink and your view of God grow larger and larger. Like, like Romans 8, I know I just preached on this a few weeks ago, but, but I have to go there again. Verse 32, Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, along with him, graciously give us all things? And the idea is that God did not spare his own son. And Paul is saying, this is love. Paul is saying to you and to me, how much more could God show us? How much more could God do than, than, than that the father loved me so much that he gave his only son for me, that he handed him over to the horrific death of the cross, that the cross is the unspeakable and it's the indescribable proof that God is for you and that God is for me and that he loves you more than you can know. In other words, I don't care what circumstances are in your life or my life right now that have you staying awake at night afraid or, or worried. If he did not spare his only son, do you really think he's going to give up on you or that he's forgotten you or he, he doesn't see you afraid, uh, uh, worrying, fretting over whatever it is that you're fretting over? To, to live in and rest in the knowledge of our great God, to know that he knows Listen to me, to know that he knows every detail, every worry, to know that he hears every cry, every prayer, to know that he is at work on my behalf is to rest, is to be at peace, is to have fear, not have its grip on your life. Because there are plenty of things to be worried about. There are plenty of things to be afraid. But when I look at all those things through the lens of, hey, God loves me, God is for me, God is with me. When I look at at the, uh, at the fears through his, the lens of his love, it changes things for me. Like, like, this is my practice. This is not me saying, hey, try this because I don't. No, no, this is how I'm doing it right now. But that, that's not the only thing you need to look at through your fears through the lens of. We need to look at them through the lens of how great he is, the greatness of our God. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you realize how great your God is? Do you realize how big your God is? Let me, let me ask you something. Is, is he bigger than your biggest problem? Is he bigger than your worst failure? Is he bigger than your greatest fears? Right? If the answer is, I, I don't know how that helps. But let me try to help you with that. Do, do you remember the story of Moses, the great leader of the Israelites who led the Israelites out of 400 years of, of, of Egyptian slavery. Do you, do you remember that guy? Let me refresh you for a moment. He's on the backside of nowhere, the Bible says. He's an aging shepherd. He's on the downside of his life. He's got a serious stuttering issue. His self-esteem is in major decline. And one day he's out shepherding and the bush catches on fire. Do you remember this, everybody? And out of the bush, he hears a voice, Moses, Moses, to which he re wisely replies, ah, here I am. Exodus 3, verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them. So now, go, I'm sending you. Say, 
So, so what? 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 Me? Like, if, if I were in his place, I'd be doing the same thing. I'm pretty sure uh, you have the wrong guy. Like, there's a lot of people that have to be better suited, like everybody's better suited than I am. But, but, he, but he had missed the point, like we often do, when, that, when God says to go, when God says to do. He's not implying to go in Moses' strength or his intelligence or his skill or any other thing that's going to free the people from centuries of bondage. God was saying, you go, but I'm coming with. And, and pretty much anybody who's on my team, we're going to go ahead and win, Right? Uh, and, and that's what he's saying to, to us. No matter what you're facing, I need you to trust me. You step out in faith. You do what you can do. But at the end of you is where I show up the strongest in your life. But nobody wants to find out what the end of me looks like. And Moses is coming up with this whole litany of reasons why this isn't a good plan. Yeah, but when I get down there, how will they know we had this conversation? How will they know that you set a bush on fire that didn't burn? How, how do they know that your presence was so powerful that I had to take my shoes off, that I put my hands in my face because I was terrified to look at you? Who do I even say sent me? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Wait, What? That's what kind of name is I am. But I am, what Moses would realize later on is I am just implies that he's not just the God of the past, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's not just the God of the future, I will do or I can do. He's the God of the present tense, the God of Moses, the God of right now, the God of Danny, the God of Rachel, the God of Charmaine, the God of everybody in this room. He's that kind of God. And I am is open-ended that it fills in all of the blanks, all of the gaps where I say I am not blank, it fills that in. Moses, you're struggling with the question, and you can see this in this story more than almost any place in the Bible, of am I enough? Do I have what it takes? And the answer, Moses, is no. You don't have what it takes. But I am the God who fills in the blanks so that whatever it is that you need, I am, because I am the God who is whatever you're not. And what I am learning is that when it comes to God, his name is I am, and my name is I am not. I am not running anything, and I am not in charge of anything, and I am not the maker, and I am not the solution to the problems of the world or even the problems in my own life. I am not the savior of anything. I am not holding it all together. I am not all-knowing or all-powerful. I am not God. And at some point it dawns on Moses what his name means. I am not, but I know I am. And he goes before me. And he is fighting my battles. And he holds it all together. And he has all the power in heaven and on earth. And he is in charge of everything. And he is the creator and sustainer of life. And he sees my every fear and my every worry. And he knows my name. And he loves me. And he is bigger than all my problems. And he is stronger than all of my weaknesses. And he is better than all of my failures. I am not, but I know. I am and he fills the blanks from whatever is missing from my life I'm not enough but he is more than enough somebody can come back oh you already did it she's a ninja warrior and came right up there I'm not I'm not enough but I know who, who is so, so when fear comes along and says you're not whatever, enough. 
I am means that whatever your, your blank is, he's got that covered. Come on, somebody. He's got that covered. And the primary goal of the enemy is to get us to surrender our identity in Christ. And so we, st- we have to stop calling ourselves things that contradict what God says about us. Let's stop focusing in on what we're missing. Instead, we can look at our insecurities and our fears and say, in him I am I am a child of God. In him, I am, he calls me his masterpiece. I am his workmanship. I am established. I am sealed with a promise. I am redeemed. I am loved. I am his child. And whatever it is is, that is in your tomorrow, you're going to be in the indestructible shelter of the love of God all the way through it tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. And that love becomes the hope. That love becomes the anchor of my soul. David said in Psalm 56, verse 3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So, for me and you, no more fears. What fear is trying to take hold of you in your life right now? What fear is keeping you awake at night? What threat or trouble are you facing? Here's what I want you to say. When I am afraid of, you fill in the blank. I will trust in you, O Lord. We'll pray the prayer of David. When I'm afraid of this diagnosis, when I'm afraid of that money situation, when I'm afraid of that child situation, when I'm afraid of that anxiousness, when I'm afraid of this, I will trust in you, O Lord. Look, I could give you six things, six quick workarounds fear, but listen, at the end of the day, it always comes back to this. God loves me. He proved it with Jesus dying on a cross for me. And God is bigger than anything that can come against me. If God be for me, who can be, what can be against me? Can we pray, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word, for your truth. God, for this moment in time, Lord. God, I know it's Memorial Day weekend and our minds are a thousand miles and we're going all over the place. But Lord, some of us came into this place wrestling with, struggling with, challenged by fear, challenged by insecurity, challenged by uh, these these terrors that come, some of us at night, where we can't sleep, where we can't go on another moment. Lord, we're tired of it. We're, we're, We're sick of worry. We're sick of anxiousness. We're sick of all this stuff. And Lord, we are just reminded in this place today that even if we're not enough, and even if we don't have what it takes, and even if we aren't good enough for in our own self, that you fill in all the gaps for us. I am not, but Lord, I'm reminded today, I know I am. And he is for me, and he is with me. And he has not given me a spirit of fear, Paul told Timothy. He has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. So right now, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, for every person's mind, every person's heart, who is struggling with that, that they would have the peace of God in their lives, that they would leave this place today with the peace of God guiding their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said a good amen. 
Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.